In this wonderful church family, we have lots of very literate and literary people. We have lots of people who read books and talk about books and enjoy words and even play word games. I learned a new word this week, syntam. S-Y-N-T-A-G-M. Syntam. Do you know the word? It's a linguistic unit consisting of words or phrases that are all bound together. They're all related to each other. The word goes back to the Greek, meaning arranged together. Syntam is a bound phrase. And my Microsoft Word program didn't even recognize this word, you know, putting it in syntam, S-Y-N-T-A-G-M, and it kept coming up with a red line underneath it. Well, the sermon title, Fear of the Lord, is a syntam. It's not four words with four separate meanings. It's fear of the Lord, a syntam, a One word, bound phrase. It means something more and something different than the four words uh, together. One cannot just look up the word fear, for example, and think anxiety and apprehension and then think about the word God, a being worthy of our worship and service and say, oh, fear God, I got it. Uh, That's not it. That's not it. When these words are put together, fear of the Lord, and held together in a syntam, it means something more. It means something different. It means something much more important. And here's the thing. There are actually more than 130 references in the Bible to this particular syntam, fear of the Lord, 130 eight of them. You may have noticed that this phrase, fear of the Lord, was mentioned twice in three verses in Isaiah 11 that Henry read. The prophet imagines a shoot, a fresh branch coming from a stump, the stump of Jesse. That's a reference to the line of David. A fresh branch is going to come in this same line of David. A Messiah will emerge Messiah, Messiah will come, and it says the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him. He will be filled with the fear of the Lord, and his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Bound phrase. What this phrase intends to convey is something very important, perhaps increasingly important in these days when we're wondering what is truth, when we're wondering what is just, what is fair, When we're divided in so many ways, this fear of the Lord really has some pertinence. It seems so helpful to consider this syntam, fear of the Lord. Isaiah says, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. This means that this person, this one coming, will be such a person and live such a life that everything about him or her is fused with God and God's purposes, his feelings, his actions, his ways in the world are fused with God's purposes and God's ways. It's not about fear like we tend to think about it, afraid or full of anxiety. It's rather a powerful sense that this person lives 
responsively, responsively to a life with God, that this person lives appropriately before God, there is a deep reverence. There's a keen appreciation. There's a powerful sense of connection with God and God's purposes. And remember, this phrase is all through the Bible, such as this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. When we understand our lives to be connected, responsive, in covenant, fused with God, then we are on the right track of living well and finding the life that God intends. Several places in Deuteronomy it says, what does the Lord require? Fear of the Lord is the answer. Fear of the Lord is how you live. Walk in God's ways, follow God's commands. Fear of the Lord means loving God and taking care of widows and orphans according to Deuteronomy. Fear of the Lord means people live in this wonderful covenant connectedness to God. It means our lives are fused with faithfulness and devotion to God's purposes. It's a way of life appropriate to creation, to our salvation, to the bountiful blessings that God bestows on us, and to our calling to be a blessing in the world. Fear of the Lord. Our second lesson today wants to make this point about fear of the Lord in a very dramatic and perplexing, maybe even unsettling way. And in 30 plus years of preaching, I've never preached on this passage from Acts 5. The passage does not come up in the lectionary, that uh, suggested schedule of readings for worship. Uh, I wonder how familiar you are with this passage. And about this particular passage, William Barclay says, there is no more vivid story in the book of Acts. So listen. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the disciples gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him and then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with the consent of his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. With his wife's knowledge, he kept back some of the proceeds and brought only a part and laid it at the disciples' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, were not the proceeds at your disposal? How is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You did not lie to us, but to God. Now, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard of it. The young men came and wrapped up his body and then carried him out and buried him. 
And after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you and your husband sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. And then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, they found her dead, so they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear seized the whole church and all who heard these things. Now many signs and wonders were done among the people through the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. This is the word of the Lord. So maybe in this first time that I've ever preached on this passage, I should simply say, let us now worship God with our morning offering. (laughs) This is a story about a couple attempting to give a measly offering. And it's a life and death matter. Let's present our offerings. Maybe we should do what I've said before, and the best place is to say, why is this passage in the Scriptures? Why has this particular story been preserved in our ancient and sacred texts? I think we have this story to make the strong and important point. The fear of the Lord is indeed the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. The fear of the Lord means our lives are filled with faith and faithfulness, a sincere love and devotion to God, not deceit, not selfish pursuits, not with what we can get away with, not with anything that's so detrimental to community but our lives are filled with faith and faithfulness, the constant, full, committed desire to trust God and serve God with all we have and all we are. The passage wants to get that point through to us. Is there any more vivid way to make that point? Everything we have and everything we are belongs to God. As Presbyterians, we tend to say, whether we live or whether we die, we belong to God. That comes from Romans 14. As good Christians, we tend to say we were claimed in the waters of baptism and we're called to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's what Jesus says. As modern people, we tend to lean into the idea that God loves us, that God forgives us, that God holds us forever, and we try to believe it, especially when the hard seasons come into our lives. We try to believe it and hold on to it. All of this can be very good. But this story, it lays it out there. This story is more vivid and more direct, and there's no missing the point. It's about life and death. All of life is to be lived before God. When we plot, when we scheme, we're plotting against God. And it could cost us our lives. 
When we are dishonest, we are dishonest before God. And that is never something to minimize. Everything, however humble it might be, that contributes to the health and the wholeness and the happiness of others is work done for God. That is not just a good idea. It's not just a good phrase. It's life and death. The great maker of violins, Antonio Stradivari, said, If my hand slacked, I should rob God. He knew that his life's work, making the best violins, was with and for God. That should be true for all of us. Our mindset always. This is the point. What we do, we do for God. What we do badly or what we do selfishly, We're offending God. When we seek to deceive, we're disappointing God. And we're not to miss the point. This matters. That's what this story is about. It's why it's in the Bible. The fear of the Lord. God has serious and sincere intentions for us. It's not about fear. It's about living life always before God responsive to God, connected in covenant with God. God has sincere and serious intentions for our lives. Our lives are lived with God, with a deep reverence for who God is, with a sincere passion for God's work in the world, and a deep love that keeps us focused and faithful. The story wants us to motivate us, be motivated in this way of living. Richard Rohr has it right. He says, we do not think ourselves into a new way of living. We live ourselves into a new way of thinking. This story wants to inspire us into a new way of living and thinking. All of life is lived before God. With the fear of the Lord as the main descriptor. Fear of the Lord. The main descriptor. Money, truthfulness, how we participate in the community, how we hold one another accountable, how we deal with our tendencies towards selfishness, how we care for the less fortunate. These are all issues that we have to take very seriously as God's people, the church. It matters. Maybe this is why the writer of Acts, which is all about the early church, finally mentions the word church in this passage, in chapter 5. The passage says, And great fear seized the whole church. This whole book of Acts is about the early church getting going, the whole church being organized and focused, carrying on the work of Jesus. The whole book of Acts is about God's continuing purposes of calling a people and sending them out to carry on the ministry of Jesus. And the first time church is mentioned is a story right here, a story about selfishness and money, A story about deceit and community. What does it mean to be the faithful church carrying on the work of Jesus? Well, it is centered on truthfulness. And it's centered on caring for one another. And it's centered on generosity, not deceiving. It's wanting to expose our temptations toward being selfish. The income that's ours to rationalize things. We want to live ourselves into a new way of thinking. 
And this story is trying to show us the way. Can't you just imagine Ananias and Sapphira talking to each other? They're probably saying, hey, we're really not that well off. You know, we sold our property. We got this money. We're being faithful. I think we're being faithful enough. Let's hold back. We get so good at this. We get so accustomed to rationalizing our selfish needs and forgetting that all of life is to be live before God. And then we have this story, this jarring story as God's people, as the church, we're called to deal with these things head on. All we have, all we are, belongs to God. The passage urges us in the ways of truthfulness, not deceit. It's really important urging us to be straight up so we can find our way into deeper faithfulness, into integrity, into honesty, into commitments that build community and promote the real, sincere reign of God in the world. Here's another way of thinking about it. Everything is theological. Everything is theological. Everything about our lives, everything we do or do not do, relates to God. That's why this sintam, fear of the Lord, can be so helpful. It's meant to apply to all of us. It's not about fear. It's knowing that what we say and what we do is always done before God. Our lives are fused with God, so it matters how we live. We are Expected and called to embody God's purposes in the world, always, all of us. Fear of the Lord is not just talking about God or studying about God, but living life in genuine genuine reverence. And we all need more genuine reverence for God and reverence for living life. Fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord nurtured in faithful community. Fear of the Lord nurtured in worship. Fear of the Lord nurtured in moments of silence and moments of prayer Moments of service, moments of sacrifice, moments of generosity, intentional acts of love and compassion in God's name. All of this helps us to grow in living, in breathing God. It's all about God. Everything. Priest and Arthur Gregory Boyle, who I've mentioned before in his latest book, Barking to the Choir, says that Human beings are settlers. He's not talking about how we settle the West, the expansive land. We're just settlers. This is what he says. It is our human occupational hazard to settle for little. We settle for purity and piety when we're invited to exquisite holiness. We settle for for being fear-driven when love longs to be our engine. We settle for a puny, vindictive God when we are shown again and again God's expansive grace, God's boundless forgiveness, God's amazing faithfulness, and it's expected to be lived out in our lives. We settle for measly gifts when God has been so generous and asked for transformative generosity from us. That creates the kind of community that the world needs so much. Where people care for each other. Where people help each other. Where there's no more needy among us. We settle for judging one another harshly when we're called to continuing kinship. 
and inclusion and sincere care and compassion always. This is meant to be our way, not settling. Fear of the Lord wants to reframe how we live. Remind us that our lives are fused with God always. Help us live a new kind of thinking. We're to trust God. We're to serve God. This is our calling. Fear of the Lord. May it be our way. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you keep showering us with boundless faithfulness and blessing. We open, we open to your spirit and we seek to live with faithfulness as a blessing in this world following Jesus Christ. Amen.